Blog Talk Radio. Maybe, you know, in a matter of speaking, maybe they are. I don't know. But uh, 
for the love of everything, if that's the case, we definitely don't need any assistance from George and the men of the world and that are living here in our country. Okay? When is it murder? And another thing I want to ask is, and I challenge all our listeners, okay, friend and people that agree and don't agree, why is it that when an African-American person is shot and killed in this country, he apparently brought it upon himself? It's just, I can't, I can't fathom the rationale when I hear this. But it's almost assumed behind the lines or underneath the, underneath the these these meanings and underneath the uh, the rhetoric that apparently we, we we bring it on ourselves. I don't know. I can't figure it out, and I, I need some help understanding this. And uh, finally, uh, are we under siege from within and from without? Okay, Trayvon Martin had the right to go to the store and come home unaccosted, unmolested. And not be stalked, folks. Okay? That's the bottom line. The kid had a right to go to the store. Okay? I want to open up our initial uh, reactions to this with uh, D.S. Rivers. Uh, give us your initial reactions to this verdict and your thoughts on the case as a whole. Well, my initial reaction, um, of course, as uh, a lot of people, was disbelief. Um with, without regards to this side of the table you, you sat on, um, I still think there is a clear injustice that was done. Um, we're talking about stand your ground as well as self-defense. Um, my take is does and did not that apply to Trayvon Martin? Uh, this just Zimmerman was acquitted on the grounds of self-defense. Um, right. An altercation between two men is it not always self-defense? Um, what we know is Zimmerman followed Trayvon. Uh, regardless of his intentions, Zimmerman confronted Trayvon. Now, I ask, in the mind of a 17-year-old, hell, the mind of a 41-year-old married man, with regards to all ethnicities, if followed, just followed, by an unknown individual, what would you do? We're born with, with two instincts. Uh, the autonomic nervous system, if I, if I must quote you know, science, and that is the right to fight or flight. Trayvon right. fled the situation to begin with. And when he felt as though he had nowhere else to go, he stood and he fought. Unfortunately, he was brutally murdered. One who not only, in my eye, brought the fight to him, but ended it on his ground. So you know, what I have to say from there is, is rest in peace, little brother. Rest in peace. Okay, uh, we're gonna continue on with initial initial uh, reaction to the the verdict. Uh, Rob Hall. I tell you, I'm kind of lost for words. Um, as we said earlier, I didn't find out the verdict until actually earlier this morning. I had posted something on uh, one of the social medias. And I was under the impression that, you know, the situation wasn't handled yet. And then after finding out what the circumstances was, um, the first thing I initially wanted to do was just pray and actually just be appreciative of being able to see my daughters another day, number one. Number two, okay. the next thing to in regards to the case, there was a lot of uh, disbelief 
Um, a lot of people can blame and want to say that the prosecution didn't do what they were supposed to do. And at the end of the day, I have to agree with D. Rivers because the bottom line is, did he have justification meeting Trayvon to be where he was at? Yes, he did. He had right. some candy. He also had a, a, a sweet tea, whatever the case was. My thing is, again, okay, again, according to Zimmerman, he was told to stand down. He was told to not follow the dude, and he chose to do that. And the circumstances resulted in to what tragically happened at this particular case, a death. Now, my thing right. is, again, if I'm Trayvon and I'm just a 42-year-old black man, if I'm being followed by any individual and somebody comes up on me, um, the first reaction is I'm going to protect myself. And that's what I'm at with it right now. Absolutely. Uh, Your initial reaction uh, to the verdict, uh, Hadaria? I wish I could say that it was disbelief. Um, I think that I was actually glad that I did not um, see it last night and that I saw it this morning because it meant that I would not have slept. All through the trial, I think I had um, this sense of evil foreboding like a lot of attorneys who were, who were watching the trial, because I think we were watching the trial as lawyers. We were watching what was happening. We were watching what started out with a good opening for the prosecution, and we were looking as we were watching things fall apart. And we knew mm-hmm. our reasoning and our training told us that this was not going to end the way we thought it should. And that for many of us, this was not going to end in justice. And by the time we got to the closing statement and the jury instructions, my stomach really hit the floor. And those evil forebodings really, really came in full force. And I knew that this was all going to come down to the really, really small, minor question of what this man thought at the very, very moment that he pulled his gun. Not all the things that he did that led up to putting him in a situation where there was a possible need for for deadly force, and I still question that. But it was this very, very narrow question. And what resonates with me most is the comment that Tavis Smiley made on this week with George Stephanopoulos. And he said, you know, when you look at these things case by case, you can always find uh, a reason why – you know, this person gets off and this person gets off, and we're talking about these cases when either police or other white defendants, um, you know, kill black men. And yet when you look at the aggregate, it's always that they're exonerated. It's always that they're found not guilty. Right. And right. that's the disconnect, right. and that's the problem is that right. they're always getting – they're always – look, they're always getting away with it um, based on some right. technicality based on mm-hmm. the fact that right. there is some reasonable doubt. And that's, that's the thing, that when our society has such a disparity between the law and justice, mm. then, we, then, then I don't know how we're really going to be a society that follows the rules of law for so long. This is when, actually, right. many societies that were, quote-unquote, democracies fell apart. These right. are the critical moments when you have too many of these cases. When the when the, right. the gap between law and justice is so big that people no longer look to law for justice, and this is what happened here. And I wish I could tell you that I was shocked, 
I was already grieving, I think, that when I look back at it. I was grieving the moment the trial really started and the defense really got going with their case. I began, I think, grieving ahead of time because the lawyer in me said, there's too much wrong here. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I, Dari, I don't, I, let me let me hold you up for one moment. I have the, the, the switchboards are blowing up right now. Um, I'm going to bring a caller in here that's been waiting for a while. Uh, um, caller from 8186. 8186. I'm going to bring you in. Hold on. Hello? Hello. Caller from 8186. What Hello, is your name? Where are you calling from? Yes. Well, my name is Gary Haywood, and I'm calling from Harlem, New York City. All right, welcome, Gary. Welcome to the show. Yes, how you doing, Gary? Welcome. Um, how y'all doing? Um, all right. I just want I'm 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 not familiar with all the legal jargon that goes on, but I was I'm just saying I, I just heard what the lawyer said, the female said, and I agree with her. I'm just wondering, like, common sense. If you are instructed not to follow, that means that that individual is, is walking away or fleeing, so he's no longer a danger to you. Why is there no penalty for Zimmerman for continuing to follow him? And if he didn't follow him, then Trayvon would be alive today. So why right. isn't any emphasis putting on that part right there when the police instructed him not to follow? Why is there I, no penalty for him for that? I don't understand that. I wanna, I right. wanna actually uh, address hold that. Hold on one second, Hadaria. I'm sorry, just one second, okay. my dear. Um, uh, Brother Gary Haywood is an author of a best-selling book called Corruption Officer. So we want to welcome him to the show, and I hope he can hang out with us for a little while. Uh, thank you okay. for being I, here, Gary. All right, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Hello. Um, I, can I bring another caller in, and I'll bring it right back to you, Hadaria. We bring it up. There's another caller here okay. waiting, waiting for a while. Okay. Um, caller from eight one nine one. What is your name? Where are you calling from? Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. Yes. yes. Hello. Eight one nine one. Yes. My name is Michael. I'm from New York City as well. Okay. And there's two hey, things Michael, that I had. To, two things. Yes. I'm so glad to be available and be able to contact you. Uh, your administrator is a very close friend of mine. We grew up in the same community, neighborhoods, family closely related. Uh, my statement, and it's going to be a brief one, if they are being told to disregard information in regards to Zimmerman's background, why are they allowed to drag into uh, a child, I have to say a child's background in comparison to this grown man's uh, background, his history, his experience in the adult world, be allowed to disregard his background when he's been shown to be a corrupt individual to be able to smear this young man's name for minor things that children of all ages do to across all boards, all, all nationalities and ethnicities, be able to drag right. this young man's background into the picture and discount Zimmerman's. Why were they allowed to tell him or to tell the jury disregard anything in reference to Zimmerman's background and his history at the same time being allowed to drag Trayvon's history into this, which had absolutely nothing to right. do with a particular situation? We know right. that they're not ever ever going to allow the situation to change from what it is because we don't create these laws. There's a loophole to everything. One last comment, right. and then I'm going to go into the background and listen again. The key thing here right. is if you're playing a game, which is really what this is, 
the first thing that we have to do is learn the rules of the game. The dealer always wins. If you don't know the rules, you can't ever win. Instead of us relying on the society to police and to regard our lives, we need to start at home teaching our children the basics of the law. Teach our children how to avoid these situations and know what to do and how to confront these situations. That man, Zimmerman, was in a situation where he provoked an accident that allowed him to react in a negative manner. Right. Our children yeah, have to learn that, the, that the, 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 the crux of everything is not respond to things against what society will allow us to do without knowing what the outcome is going to be. I learned a long time right. ago how to deal with the law. A smart man will find out what his options are before he acts. This is the key thing. We are working not out of stupidity but out of ignorance, and it is our job, regardless of what tells us to police and to learn and to teach our children what they're dealing on. This is where we're losing at. We're constantly relying on a society that has never meant us any good to provide us with some protections. I read something, and this was a very, very clear statement in my mind. There is nothing in the Constitution that obligates any city, state, local, or federal authority or policing agency to protect us. They are a reactionary force, not an actionary force. We must act before they can act. And this is the problem that we're running into. We are still allowing ourselves to be pulled into situations, whether it be with police, whether it be with teachers, whether it be with co-workers, whether it be with strangers in the street. We allow ourselves to be provoked into situations. There is no man that can provoke me to action. He can only provoke me to reaction based on his. I'm going to stay right. here because I can go on forever. All right. I'm going to keep you on the line, Mike. Adaria, I'm going to bring it All back right. to you because you All were right. talking. And you had some good things that you were bringing up. Back to you, Adaria. I wanted to just sort of go back. There was an earlier uh, question about, um, you know, how this all happened. And before I got ready for the show, I wanted to go ahead and just, you know, re-sort of um, put myself back in the context of the law. And it really comes down to the Florida Stand Your, Stand Your Ground Doctrine. It really is, and, and, and what I find so interesting is how often so many of these cases happen um, when it comes to gun violence against black men, either by law enforcement officers or by other private citizens. A lot of this happens, I mean, it happens all over our country, but these types of verdicts and cases have the stand-your-ground laws in common. And it, it's, it's unbelievable how, you know, this law really does permit you to actually use um, some, a certain amount of just, just, it allows you to justify deadly, the use of deadly force um, outside of your home, and it really comes down to your perception, your perception, and and what and whether or not it was reasonable to believe that your life was really at risk at the time. Doesn't talk about whether or not you were the aggressor. You know, in New York State, there's something called the retreat doctrine. There are a number of states where you you deal with something called the retreat doctrine before you're able to you know, use deadly force, you've got to evade. You've got to step back. You've got to actually try to get out of the situation. Not with the Florida stand-your-ground law or other states that have a stand-your-ground law. And this becomes one of the most difficult parts of this, is that the, this, this law, which is broad in sort of how it protects you and, 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 and allows sort of the court to really ask this very narrow question. So, much of Zimmerman's behavior as an aggressor, and really as a predator, as a predator, which is what I, I see him as and what he really did. Yes, I agree. It was, was really not, it was almost as though it was just a separate matter. 
it was just background that was a separate matter. Now, could the prosecution have done a better job of bringing it in? Um, yes, they could have done a better job in framing, but the, I think the really harsh reality is that you're really not going to get a just verdict when the underlying part of society, the lenses, how you look at all the witnesses, how you look at Trayvon Martin, is colored by right. your perception and is colored by race. I was mm, looking at right. footage where people were r making fun of Rachel Jean-Paul for being, you know, a young, dark-skinned, overweight girl who didn't speak what yeah. they thought was proper. I mean, they just, and so it made yeah. it easier to discount her. You know, it's it right. really, it really, all these things sort of lined up, and then you got you got this small little question at the end with enough sort of, you know, with enough sort of things going on and justifiable defense being a very hard jury instruction to actually get to, it, it just it makes it too easy to slip away, and that's what happened. Everything was set for him to slip away, and he slipped away. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. I, I, I just want to throw something else out there uh, very briefly here. I, I watched something this evening. Uh, Zimmerman's brother uh, stated that uh, he was asked, uh, did his brother feel any type of... Uh, Regret or, or remorse? Was he remorseful or anything like that? And Zimmerman's brother stated that he would wonder if Trayvon Martin, if he were alive, would have expressed any regret and any oh, wow. remorse. And, and my eyes almost popped out of my head like on a cartoon. I, uh, yeah. it, 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 I was, I was astounded that the, the arrogance still in the yeah. face of this murder, the arrogance from the Zimmerman family, is appalling. Okay, now yeah. well, that. that uh, that he, George is un, he's, un, he's unapologetic, okay, and he'll do it again. He'll do it again. Yeah. He's unapologetic, and he'll yeah. do it again. And we yeah. just and then, gave the green right. light to others in yeah. in this country to do the same thing. I'm sorry. Go ahead, DS. No, I was just agreeing with your point. Um, not only the arrogance of the Zimmerman family, but I watched last night in in, in complete disbelief. Not only disbelief because of the verdict. But disbelief in the arrogance of the attorneys, the defense attorneys, mm -hmm. especially, oh, man. especially yeah. uh, one Don West, who said, uh, you know, he he's appalled that charges were even brought up. Yeah, at all. yeah. right. I mean, yeah. you you had a dead seventeen-year-old, a dead child. And you're appalled that the charges were brought up? I mean, whether or whether, you know, whether or not you believe in the defense or <laughs> whether you believe or, you know, believe in the defense or prosecution or, you know, regardless. There's a time, there's a, there's a time for showmanship. There's a time for diplomacy. And when you have, at the end of the day, a dead individual, be it innocent, be it guilty or not, you don't spit on their their death by gloating. Yeah, Ooh, right. Completely, right. It just right. was mad. It was madness. It, it was madness. And at that yeah, point, yes, at that point you know, my my anger went from zero to ten, and it wasn't about the verdict. <laughs> it was, you know, put me in the room with Don West for ten minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, I got you. It, it really. I really, got you. Because I, mean, I, I, what, I felt you on that. Yeah, and what you what you have just told Black America you know, ages 25 and under, that their life is not worth manslaughter. Right. Manslaughter. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, 
I often, uh, and, and I, I hate saying this, but this is the way, as an African, African-American male, how I feel. Uh, when I watch cases like this, time after time, uh, you know, going back to what, uh, you know, Mike and uh, Brother Gary Hayward said is that, you know, why is it always we go into the the past of of the, the murder victim and say, well, he had a speeding ticket, as if that were to justify why he was killed. Right. You know, oh, he smoked marijuana. Like, as, as mm-hmm. if that was to justify why he, he was killed. I mean, when, when is this going to stop? Oh, yeah. Are you insane? What are you implying here? What Absolutely. are you implying? Absolutely. I also want to address, I want to address something else. People are saying, well, well, there was a confrontation. Of course there was a confrontation. Okay, this kid was followed in, 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 into a, a situation where he had, to stand, he had to stand his ground. So, of course, there's a confrontation. Oh, what yeah. about, what about uh, Trayvon saying that this creepy cracker was, was following him? First of all, uh, that doesn't make the fact that he was shot right either. I don't care what he called him, honestly. Yeah. I don't care yeah. what he called him. Absolutely. All right? Yeah, that does not equate him being shot dead. Okay, it just doesn't do it. It just doesn't. It doesn't equate it, folks. I'm sorry. It just doesn't equate it. Um, I want to ask a question to the group right now. Most of us were raised. I know I was raised as a kid. You know, you you try to avoid a situation, but if you're cornered, I know my father always told me to stand your ground, and if you have to defend yourself, do so with extreme prejudice. I would have had Trayvon Martin do the same thing ten times out of ten. What are we to tell our kids now? Uh, I watched something on CNN earlier today where the the gentleman said, are we to have our kids go to the store in tuxedos and not hoodies so that they won't be shot dead? How do we now coach our children to deal with situations like this? And I'm going to go around the panel, and I want to ask Brother Gary Haywood, if you had a son out there, would you teach him anything different, or how would you go about it? Um, well, me being former law enforcement, I, I, I see, I know the cockiness and arrogance of these individuals doing their job. And, and for one, I want to say it's not taught in the academy that you have to do the job that way. So yes, if I tell, when I tell yes, my sir. son or my child to go out there, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I tell my, well, my son right now and my daughter, be very aware. It can happen at mm-hmm. any time. Be cognizant of your surroundings. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, for one, tell them, if accosted by law enforcement personnel, be polite, even if they're being different or aggressive about it, because yeah. I know as a law enforcement person, uh, I'm going to say 85 to 15, it's a lose-lose for you. Any law enforcement person can take you into custody for anything, uh, loitering or anything, just to put you through the system. So it's up to the individual law enforcement person who to take it that takes advantage of that authority of that power. So in my neighborhood, like I, I was, I was born and raised, I was born and raised in Polar Ground Projects. Um, I became a correction officer, and I should tell these inmates in there because if you look around on Rikers Island, there were no white inmates. And I knew that white individuals committed crimes in New York City. 
but where were all the white inmates? And this is over a 10-year time span that I noticed uh, I would see a white inmate one day, the next day he's gone. Now, maybe his family has money and he can get a lawyer and he got out of here, but I know the ratio of white individuals that come through Rikers Island was astounding, like I barely saw it. So that tells me about the policing that's going on in the streets. So I, wow. I would tell my kids to really, really be aware because they, they, it's, it's, it's that quota thing, it's that uh, power that I can have you arrested. Uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, as, a, as an officer, a lot of officers I would see, if they had a bad day, if they had an argument with their wife, they, if there's something going on in their life, when they walk yes, out there sir. on that street, when they walk out there on that street and you're there, you know, they're human. They're upset. They have the power right. to, to incarcerate you for anything. Right. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's the law of freedom of speech. So officer says something derogatory to you, you say something derogatory back at him, he can arrest you. And they're not going to look at, he incited that, he said something to right. you. And it's like, it's a big right. issue right now with the, with the stop and frisk. They're not stopping and frisking people down on Wall Street. They're not stopping and frisking people in Bensonhurst. They're stopping and frisking people in Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, and, and neighborhoods like that. So, I mean, it's a, de- a debate whether it's good, whether it's bad. But when you're young and you're out there telling my son, you have to really watch what you're doing. Because, and, and it's, it's, it's in my neighborhood, or I guess in a lot of people's neighborhoods, when they see law enforcement, it's uh, anger comes out, uh, fright comes out. Like, what are they going to do? What are they around here for? You know, True. and th- that creates a lot of atmosphere that a lot of, a lot of kids get in trouble with. So I would right. tell them just to be, I, I wish, I tell my kids, be careful who you hang out with, uh, be careful right. what you're doing, you know, because it can happen any time for any reason. You could just be standing on the corner with the wrong group of guys, and they round everybody up, and they put everybody right. against the wall, okay. and they pat for everybody down. So I just tell them to be careful out there, that's all. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you I mean, what do you tell your, your son right now? You have a young son. Oh. Would you, yeah. What are you telling him out there? Yeah. Well, um, you know, this this may actually may may shake up the room. Uh, I doubt it, but uh, we had a conversation uh, this afternoon. I sat him down and asked him what he thought about the trial. And uh, from his words to mine, he said he really didn't pay attention to the trial because he knew in his heart that Zimmerman would look. Um, wow. I asked him why he thought. I asked him why he thought so. And that's he said, that's "Dad, that's just the way that it is right now." So, you know, I, I kind of internalized that as in, was I doing something wrong? Or was my son just here on the street, knowing what's going on? So, I, so this is how I want to flip up the conversation, maybe switch up uh, some people's thinking. But we're out here killing ourselves. Black right. men are shooting black men. Black right. young men fighting black young men. Um, right. Just like Hadaria said, we had a black queen on the stand who may not have spoke the best, may not have looked the best. Right. And I saw my own friends in social media dogging this young lady. Right. Less than a year, about a year ago, I saw a beautiful queen become the first black woman to win a gold medal in all of my Olympics. And everything I heard was about her hair. 
Yeah. Right. We don't value we don't value ourselves. No How do we expect other people to value us regardless of the situation? Right. So like the brother said uh, earlier, we have got to do a better job at home. And once mm-hmm. we do that, then we can promote change. But it's gotta start at home. Right. I gotta pull it here. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I got a caller here I'm going to bring into the conversation. All right. Caller from 3829. What is your name and where are you calling from? My name is James Everett. I'm calling from Astoria, New York. Hey, James. Welcome to the show. How are you? All right, James. Hi. Hey, James. How you doing? All right. How you doing, brother? Okay. Very interesting listening. Um, I hear everything everybody's saying. And, um, okay. My reaction to the verdict, um, it was despicable. There's a difference between um, legality and morality, and this clearly um, demonstrates the difference. Um, You know, I'm older than most of you. I remember the civil rights movement in the 60s, the war demonstrations in the 70s, and being a gay man, I walked that walk in the 80s. So this is okay. nothing. This is nothing new to me, and I know okay. about the stand your ground laws because my grandparents lived in Florida for a good number of years, and I know that. And the only okay. thing I can say is that, um, as a people, and when I say as a people, if you've been watching the demonstrations today. Um, it's not only African-American people demonstrating. Oh, absolutely not. It's right. all people mm-hmm. out there demonstrating, and right. this is your moment. Okay, right. one thing you have to understand is that back in the 60s, Dr. King understood the power of television, and he knew when he had his moment. Okay? And right. he embarrass the nation. Okay? Right, that's right. He And that is what has to happen today. Okay? And there are young people marching all over the country, but they need right. leadership because without leadership, they're just going to march and then they're going to go home. Right, okay? that's right. Okay? Cannot allow that momentum to pass. Right. And Absolutely right, James. That's the way I feel right now. Um, Like I told you, as a gay man, all right, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. And, I mean, we were looked upon. I mean, you know, when you talk about how you're looked upon in this country, take three or four steps down. That's how we're looked upon. Okay. Okay. And, you know, I don't know if I can curse on this radio station, you know, but my (laughs) attitude is, the hell with you. I'm here. I belong here. I don't need right. your permission right. to be here. All right. That's right. All right. All right. I okay. do not That's need right. your approval. Right. Okay. Great. Same thing Great. with your community. You do not need anybody's approval. And if people right. don't want to like you, fine. Don't let them like you. Okay. But you got to have your legal power. You've got to be able to get the population to get. You have a lot more allies out there than you realize. 
Right. Okay. You don't know right. the num- you don't realize the number of people that you have out there who were crying today, all colors, because of Trayvon. Right. Yeah. Right. That's right. You're absolutely right. Uh, this is your I'm, momentum. I'm gonna, Use it. Right. Right. I, I'm going to ask uh, uh, Rob Hall. We were, we were talking about uh, telling what you know, teaching your children. What do you what do you what do you teach your kids now that this has happened? Knowing how we grew up, we were taught to defend ourselves as corners. What do you do? You, do you change anything? I mean, what do you teach your kids? Tell you at the end of the day, Mr. Morgan, the bottom line is this. And my marriage, my children are of an interracial product. My right. wife happens to be Caucasian. I love her from '95. Let's not get it twisted. I don't see right. the color. I don't see any kind of um, misconceptions and things like that. But I'm not also on some sellout stuff to where I disregard all the things that happen to African Americans. Let's not get right. that. Okay. Right. At the end of the day, I tell my daughter, and um, I'm blessed with them. I lost my son. At the end of the day, regardless, I teach them what they're supposed to do and what their responsibility is. Take responsibility for what your actions are. I'm going right. to not have any regret for choices that you make unless you make them wrong. Going right. back to what you said I'm kind of floored, but I'm not surprised because of how things have transpired as far as the decisions. And not to take anything away from Miss Morgan as far as from being a lawyer. Unfortunately, in this particular case, it was like um, I felt that. I thought Slick Rick was the great storyteller, but lawyers are all the great storytellers because at this, <laughs> at this particular point, I'm sorry, I, I just had to put it out there. I mean, right. unfortunately, in this case, and I'm not taking anything away from her because I'm pretty sure she's excellent at her craft. Right. If you tell a good story, society as it is, and you have your CNNs, you have all your MSNBCs, and you have all these other places, you have, uh, as they call, um, reality TV, people tend to right. believe what's on television. And unfortunately, right. That's true. at the end of the day, society deems that this is reality. Right. And it is what it is. Right. Okay. I uh, before I take another call, uh, I mean, I just want to run back to uh, Adaria. Uh, if you had a son out there right now, what would you be telling him in in light of this verdict? What scares me is that I don't think I would tell him anything different than what right. your father told you, or what yes. my parents told me, and that is. When you're cornered, you do what you have to to defend yourself and you survive. And I think the problem was not that, you know, he got the wrong instructions per se. There are, you know, I think you do have to be part of also what part of that instruction, too, uh, that I learned was you have to be very careful. You have to really control yourself and be very aware 
of what you're actually right. being faced with. But if you're cornered, you do what you need to do. I don't think there was anything wrong with that instruction. And my experience has been, as a black woman, as a lawyer, is that you're not going to win if you lay down and you lay down and give in when you're being attacked. You're not going to win, and you may not be here anyway. And I think that's right. the most frightening part of it. Is I don't know that we can actually change so much what we say. I think the bottom line is this man was out like a predator looking to get someone. Um, right. With all his because these punks always get away. Right. Yeah, and 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 the problem is the law, you know, is such where it allowed him to slip away with it. And and I think the only thing we do is that we start fighting back, is that we demand justice, is that, you know, we have, we, we use whatever means we can to actually start pushing back and saying this type of outcome is not just and it's not acceptable. I think that's the only right. thing we really can do because you, you can only sort of, you know, make yourself, but for, you can't make yourself so small that you don't exist, as the older gentlemen say. That's not right. That's right. And Absolutely. it's not right, and it's, and it's not what we're here for. And um, I, I don't think we're going to actually profit or win that way anyway. Right. We're not going to be rewarded right. for that. We're going to have to stand up. And it may not be every case, but we're going to have to stand up and start pushing back. I think the yeah, one of the right. toughest things is that this verdict happened a few weeks after the Voting Rights Act Supreme Court um, decision. Uh, that's right. And, and, that's and right. the Texas case. And you asked yes, you talked about earlier yes, about whether or not we're under siege. And I think that, you know, there's been a whole lot of racial injustice going on. It is very clear right. to me. And I think right. that we have got to start pushing back. I think we have to bend people and say, no, we're not going to stand for this. We're going to fight right. you on voting rights. We're going to fight in state right. elections and city elections. And if we're going to fight on these cases. Maybe we'll fight on That's civil right. cases. We're going to fight yes. The best way we can, because if we don't, we're gonna get we're gonna get you know not just marginalized, but we're just gonna be walked all over, marginalized and and eliminated, and it's just not okay. Right. Yeah. So right. I, I want to bring a caller in, please, briefly. Uh, I'm gonna bring a caller in. Caller from zero three zero eight. What is your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, my name is Brian. I'm calling from Atlanta. All right. Welcome, Hi. Brian. Hi, Brian. How you doing, brother? Hi. How you doing? Hey, I, I I totally agree with everything that uh, the young lady said. I'm just getting on, so I'm, I'm a little late on here, but... Uh, yeah, you on time, brother. You on time. Okay, thanks, thanks, thanks. Um, but I, my thing was that um, I'm really not surprised by the verdict. Um, it was almost like a watching a, 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 a train wreck in slow motion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, right. and um, right. I mean, it was it was awful. It was awful. But you know, you can't take your eyes off of it. But I guess my point is, uh, what do we do now? Um, right. You know, yes. I definitely, Absolutely. I definitely agree that we should um, uh, consolidate our resources and do the things that we need to do in order to uh, speak for the people who, uh, like Trayvon and other people who uh, have uh, been a part of the injustices uh, here lately. But what do we do at ground level? I think that we should make sure that we teach our children like this right here is going on. 
Now, one right. thing as uh, a person who uh, has the power to hire our young people, I get people that will come in my store and and want applications and things like that, and and they don't know, you know. And it's it's it it, it I, I try to counsel them like you, you if you're looking for a job, I need you to to uh, to 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 you know present yourself better. You know, going into right. a workplace. I, I mean, I, I, I want. I'm very passionate about our, my people. No doubt. Um, but I feel like as parents, that we need to show, like, look, this right here is the perception that uh, America has of of you, especially when you look a certain way. And I mean, I was. I mean, I'm not too old. I mean, I'm 41. But you know, we used to rock the. The, the saggy pants and stuff like that at, at at when I was in school and that is no excuse to to kill anyone you know right and but that right. was a good character I mean when I did it I mean I was I'm always been a good character guy you know and but the right. perception is a lot of people's reality I've been listening and and commenting on Facebook posts from people who uh, agree with the verdict and I'm just I'm just amazed that um, right at at some of the comments you know and I had one lady said that. You know, she had crime in her area, and somebody came broke in her house and well broke in her garage and stole her weed eater. And so I said, so your fifty dollar weed eater is worth uh, a young man's life. Right. I mean, but that is right. their perception when they see us like yes. this, you know, and they see us. Yes. I mean, so what do we do about it? I, I feel like you know right. we need to educate our children. Like, look, you know, you have to arm yourself. You arm yourself with education. Yes, sir. You know, you right. arm yourself with knowing, you know, your surroundings, like the, uh, like someone said, and and you also um, arm yourself with just being aware and and knowing right. that you know you have to put yourself in positions to succeed. And I just, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm I'm I mean I'm I'm devastated by the verdict, but it's it's like you, you we you know you see it you, you saw it coming. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I want to bring another call in before we start winding down with the with the with end comments. Uh, I want to get everybody in here as much as possible. Uh, you can hang on the line if you like. I thank you for, for your for your for your call. I want to bring another call in here who's on hold momentarily. Yeah. Okay. Caller mm-hmm. from zero six six two. What is your name? Where are you calling from? Good evening, everybody. Angela, I'm calling from St. Albans, New York. Hi, Angela. Good evening, Angela. Hi, Angela. How are you doing? All right, thank you. I just wanted to say a couple of things. I know you don't have a lot of time. Um, But first, two things. One is my initial reaction. My initial reaction was, once again, the murder of a young black man is resolved by calling it a tragedy. No one went to jail, and no one will. But somehow we're supposed to carry on, right? And so my next thought was, now what? You know, I have two stepsons, a husband, two daughters, and they've watched and listened to us. They've heard our stories about what was going on when we were coming up. They listened to their grandparents' stories. And in their eyes, nothing has changed. So what occurred to me today is maybe it's time, and I think a couple of your callers touched on this, maybe it's time for us broaden our thinking a little bit and take a look at what the real possibilities are here. So what if those of us who have been targeted by ill will, by terrible laws and intolerance, realize that we are being targeted by the same small group of individuals 
that are now allowing us to act like a bunch of crabs in a barrel. So if you think about it, the same people who created the Stand Your Ground laws are the same people who are creating laws to prevent women from controlling their own bodies. They're the Mm -hmm. same people who create unnecessary wars to send our young and poor children to. Those same people who create those wars or send them there don't provide them with the resources they need to survive when they're in those wars or the support they need when they return home. The same people create laws that fight immigration reform, and I say really because they don't want to pay so-called illegal immigrants that they hire to care for their children or to manicure their lawns a fair wage. The same people (laughs) create laws against marriage equality, and the same people create laws that leave mentally and physically handicapped people without the support they need. So the kicker is 99% of us fall into one of those groups. 99% Mm, of us, right? So the moment that we all, as so-called victims, decide that, you know what, (laughs) there are so many more of us that are pointing the finger at each other, while this small group of individuals, is they're they're the puppet masters. Once we all realize that, we can overtake this this situation and And really claim our own lives. And they are playing us. And I, for one, am tired. I'm tired. I don't know what to say to my kids anymore. You know? I, agree. So I agree. I think we need to like take off this mask and stop playing these games and stop pointing the finger at people that don't have the power. We need to look at those people that are the puppet masters and say, you know what? Ooh. I'm not playing this game anymore. So yeah. that's what I needed to say. <laughs> let me let me get everybody in here. Uh t- time is, is going by so fast here. Uh yeah. Yeah. let me let me in the last ten minutes we have, let's go around the the room here, and I'm going to hear from Mike. Your thoughts, sir, on moving forward. What are your thoughts on moving forward? Uh, hello? Hello? Mike? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm I hear sorry, now. Can you hear me? We can hear yeah, a lot of background. Yeah, I, I have an air conditioner running in the background. Uh, no problem. Again, to recap, um, I heard a lot of comments that made a lot of sense to me, and they're very on point. The thing is, we've been doing a lot of talking, and it's the beginning of an idea. The the beginning of anything is the dream, the thought, and the action. We need to start doing something proactive in terms of our children. I have children of my own. One is 22 years old. One is 20 years old. And my key concern all this time has been educating them. One of the things that I said to my son when he turned 10 Congratulations, she said, for what? I said, you made it past 10 years old. You still have two more hurdles to pass, 20 years old and 40 years old. And if you can make it past those, you're more likely than not going to live a prosperous and decent life. You must be aware of your surroundings, of the people that you contact, the situation mm-hmm. that you put yourself in, okay? Right. I don't say that this, that this was an excuse or a reason. No definition on this, please, no definition on this. But me yeah. personally... That young man had no business going outside for something as simple as skills and ice tea. Now, I'm not saying he didn't have the right to or the privilege to, but there's another thing we have to understand. We are walking around with this imaginative thing that we call rights and privileges. What we have is called liberties, and people are confusing the differences. You have the liberty to do things. Rights are determined by the society you live in, and privileges are determined by the people who govern you. We have to get those key concepts down to our children. That is where we're running okay. into our stone walls at. 
Whatever it comes down to, I talk to my children constantly and tell them when you're out in the street, have a record of your whereabouts, have a direction where you're going, go to and go from. If you're leaving from here to go someplace, I want to know where you're going. If you leave there, I need to know before you leave where you're going to and when you're going to arrive there. For no other reason than if anything happens, I need to know where to start looking for you. You get what I'm saying? My my voice and my attitude, I'm very passionate about this. I look around and I see children. All of these children are ours. It takes a village and everybody knows that, but nobody practices it. And we have to start changing our practice to reflect our words and our attitudes. Never mind the society that we're in. Every other nationality that's in New York City right now has their own little enclaves where they govern themselves and they teach their people how to get around it. We are the ones who are still scattered and running around here trying to infiltrate and assimilate ourselves to people's lives who do not really want us. The only reason why they haven't left us and gotten rid of us is because we are their blessing. They know that. They're keeping us from knowing it. And when we get that concept in our minds that our blessings are for us, from us and about us, then we'll stop trying to run around here and be what this other person wants us to be because they don't want us to be anything. That's the concept we have to get first. Forgive my oh, passivity okay. or my passion about this, but if anybody oh, knows right. it and you've heard me before, I'm going to burn it down, and if I can't burn it down, I'm going to build a house with it. There you go. You All right. Have a good night and think cool. about what I said. Please, please, All right. well, thank you, Mike. talk thank to you. our children. Ask your children, talk to your children, ask them what is on your mind, what is going on with you. Please talk to me. And it's not something you can start when they turn 18. You must start to assist babies. My daughter's trying to be a teacher. And I told her, you have to be the leaders because when I'm 85 years old, I please, please, please be running this world. I don't want the rest of this mess running the world for me. The thing is, at a certain point, at a certain point, I'm not saying that we're supposed to discount people. But you work with the ones who are trying to work with you. You cannot continue to teach a fool if he's not willing to learn. Start working with the babies we have right now. Change the whole dynamics, the whole despair of this thing, and start working with the babies right now. When you see little children in the street, speak to them in a manner that lets them know that you respect them and they'll grow up respecting you. That's where we have to start from. We have a whole generation of children of young adults, of full-grown adults that are lost, and people are still trying to draw them back into the fold. They don't want to be in the fold. They want to be in the pyramid fold with the rap artists and all the rest of that nonsense that's going on. Get past them. Get past them. Get past them. You know, at a certain point, if the ship is sinking, you do not keep the ill in front and the movements on board. Throw them overboard because you'll sink the whole ship. (laughs) Brother Mike, I'm I'm going to catch you up right there. I'll be back at you again. I appreciate you. All I appreciate right, you, Habib. Habib, I'm glad you did this. I started something with this, but my time right now is so tied up with so many different things, and I can't be everywhere at once. But, brother, believe you me, I've got two hands under your foot raising you up to get this done because it needs to be done. And I'm glad somebody's going to do it. Okay. I'm right, going to do it, brother. Brother Gary, brother Gary, uh, moving forward. Brother Gary, you still there? I think we might have lost Brother Gary. Uh, all right. All right mo- moving forward. Uh, uh, Rob Hall, moving forward. What do we do as a people here? Do we continue to trust in a judicial system that fails us or what? I tell you, um, it's ironic because I'm a law enforcement agent myself, too, at the bottom line. Of That's right. I go off of what the facts present. Number one. Number two, it's not a race for me. It's not about uh, color or individual 
you know, I, I go off of what an individual does. I'm not going off of what the color of the person is and things of that right. particular nature. Right. I made it to the ranks of captain, police instructor. And the things that I teach my troops is you go out there and you use officer discretion. You don't go out there and try to be the superhero and try to be above anybody else. You go out there and you right. use common sense, number one. Right. Number two, at the end of the day, the bottom line is this. I pray for the Martin family. I pray for all of my family and friends. I trust that God has us all in his comfort. And at this particular point, I pass it to D. Griffin. Right. Well, um, <laughs> I, I think everybody, I echo everybody's sentiment exactly. Um, just to keep it brief, because we're down to just a few moments. Yeah. Uh, prayers, prayers for the the Martin family, um, because I have to. Uh, prayers out to the Zimmerman family. Um, I, I think yeah. there's a lot of I think there's a lot of things Agreed. that uh, the previous callers just said. That we need to start at home, and until we start at home, um, you know, you can almost not blame anybody but ourselves. And I just implore our listeners, as well as everybody else who may listen to this tape later on, we got to start at home, and 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 the time okay. is now. Time right. now. Okay. All right. Uh, Adaria, forward. I um I I appreciate the need to start at home, and and you can do only so much. But I I definitely want to make it clear that echoing what the gentleman from Astoria said and Angela who called in, I think that we have got to hold those small-minded people who wield power um, and who would do so at the harm of others accountable. And I don't believe in allowing them to do so and, and giving up. I do believe that we actually say this was not justice. I do believe that right. we tell America that a big part of the problem was the lens through which we look through. They could not see this young boy, really as a young boy, that he was right. that, they, that he was another black kid in a hoodie who, made, who he was the image of somebody who committed crime before. And that's the problem. Right. We don't see each other. Yeah. We don't know Well, he was other. the problem. He, he was the so, problem, according to Zimmerman. He was the problem. So, um, so, yeah, and that, that, is, that is not okay. And I think that right. we, we don't, it's not going to, it's not so much that we trust the judicial system or we trust the overall system is that we don't allow it to just fall apart. The fact that we've got all these bad verdicts lately, the, the Voting Rights Act and this Trayvon and this Zimmerman decision, it is, I think maybe we've been asleep too long. I think that we've right. not been ban holding each other together and, and pushing back as a people for too long. Right. And yeah. I think that we have right. got to stop that and sort of fight back and say no. You know, we're going no to vote new people out, and we're going to fight so that you can't steal elections, and we're going to push to have cases tried, and we're going to push right. when there are when there are no black people on juries, and we're going to do we're going to fight back because it's right. Not okay. I got about if sixty seconds left. Okay, well we. I got about sixty seconds back. left, guys. Yeah, Mr. Morgan, your thoughts. Your thoughts. I'm going to close this out with this, guys. Uh, thank you all for calling in. We'll never solve uh, any of the world's ills in, a, in an hour or even in a week or a day, but it is healthy to uh, have dialogue amongst ourselves and with each other 
to express what the issues are and how we can get past them and how we can fix some of the issues. Uh, if you just sit back and bury your head in the sand like an ostrich, nothing will happen. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that. I thank everybody for calling in. And uh, your opinion counts, like I always say. And uh, together, we can have an understanding. And I'm going to close out with that. Thank you all for calling. Okay. This is Real Talk all the time. Thank you for joining us. No doubt. Peace. Peace. Good show. Yes, yes.